Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. And at whatever time of the day you are listening or you're viewing this, thank you for all your support and thank you for every little thing that you do for faith, family, hope, and freedom. Because this is crucial that we get together and do our work from locally and globally. So we come together just as you see, and Roy and I welcome you all the time. And with us today, we welcome Dr. Mark Sherwood, who I believe is not a stranger to some of you or to most of you, but maybe to some of you, if you don't know about him, then this is the time that you could get to know about him. Okay, then Dr. Mark Sherwood, Thank you very much. And you're busy. You're on the road, always on the road. And I guess we don't stop being on the road because we are born for this time. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you for having me, Grace and Roy. Honored to be here. I've been looking forward to this and uh, just really, really honored uh, to the heart that you would give us this opportunity to join your great mission. <laughs> yes, we are with you in this mission. And um, so from what I understand, you, your life has been um, immersed in the law enforcement as you were a member of the SWAT team. And being a member of the SWAT team, that means you met a lot of crisis. You were there to meet people in situations. And you have also been like weaving your life, your family, your mission to also to the functional medicine, a functional medicine, medical institute that you and your lovely Dr. Um, Michelle Neil Sherwood combined together, created this practice, this leadership practice. It's more than a health practice. It's more than a political practice. It's a leadership practice that empowers people. And you have successfully treated over 10,000 COVID patients and I'm sure it's more than COVID that you have been doing. I'm thinking that because of your background, you are a lot of people um, or individuals in the, let's say, in the service of the SWAT police, military, have been reaching out to you, just as you also have a very unique background of, um, if I may say, and you know, since you, said it already in other in, um, podcasts that you were adopted. So what I'm seeing, um, Dr. Mark Sher uh, Sherwood, is that what you are about to say and share to people and you've been sharing before in other platforms, you it comes from your direct experience, nothing theoretical, which is really more powerful and impactful. So I thank you for all of this. And I'm sure, you know, you will be able to help a lot of people through this episode again. Well, Is that that's, Yeah, that's, I'm grateful for that, Grace. That's very kind of you. And uh, I've been really fortunate and blessed, you know, by God's grace to have a, a lot of life experiences and, you know, from playing professional baseball and being in bodybuilding and police work and SWAT, and, um, naturopathy, and we've even written a lot of books and uh, made several movies. Uh, it's been a it's been a whirlwind of a life, but nonetheless, you're right. Um, I endeavor to speak from the heart, based upon experiential uh, knowledge, not just something I read about in a book. Uh, it's life, and life is challenging at times, and people need. Um, to get the relationships with people that can share their life. And that's how we make each other better. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So that's really awesome. Yeah. I may have missed some like, yeah. So like in sports, because sports also was like a big thing. And, you know, so that perfect, perfect. So I, I know November 1st is over, but this topic about Halloween and candies and childhood obesity. It's, it's not something that will j just have to expire. So I thought it's still perfect. That's what we have to talk about because in the in there's always an increasing rate of obesity, increasing rate of drug addiction, increasing rate of depression and suicide rates, even 
before the pandemic, but much more now. So if you just want us to lead us to that relationship of all of this, and it's even crazy because this topic cannot just be answered by one. We could be here the whole day and we'll never, we'll just continue to um, expand our, our understanding. And I know you would tie it to the pyramid, you would tie it to the immigration, you would tie it to the mental health services. So, and of course, how our government makes decision. So please lead us there and we'll just keep, keep the ball rolling as mm -hmm. any of us will just make comments and throw questions. Well, I appreciate that. Certainly, if you look at the way systems work, I'm talking about our ecosystem, our geological system, and even our physiology of this system called the human organism, everything works together and everything's connected. Perhaps a good way to begin is to understand what everybody knows that when you treat uh, the people as a silo medicine, you know, we know that doesn't work and that's uh, ineffective and it's not done anything to help with the physiology of the overall human being. Now, when you look at what's happened to the obesity crisis that is, remember obesity is the fastest growing non-communicable disease in the history of the world. And it did not start until the initiation of the food pyramid days back when the United States government got involved in people's lives as far as their health lives. And then you had this big uh, push where FDA became super, super powerful. For those of you that are not in this country, the FDA is the Food and Drug Administration. They began to create this massive, I call it a marriage made in hell. And they began to sort of drive the bus and the health of the American went downwards as the obesity crisis went upwards. And so you saw this big government subsidy in regard to big food and big food is again things like wheat corn soy that were genetically modified to alter the crop production to create profitability at the expense of human beings and so when you had that happen you had this big push again of all these chemicals and compounds that are both obesogenic and estrogenic so you had this big thing happening and the americans uh, that were in charge and are still in charge used obesity, the standard American diet, the Western lifestyle to profit. So it became profits over people and then it became pharmaceutical over profits over people. And the profits of the pharmaceuticals begin to drive the people's decisions. And then you allowed Big Pharma to uh, advertise straight to the public. Again, I, I'm, I'm painting a picture of everything connected. So Big Pharma needs the advertising budget. So how are they going to get the advertising budget? Well, you're going to see the big insurance companies raise these things called premiums and raise these things called deductibles because they want your money. They do not want you healthy. They're about managing disease with medication instead of healing diseases from the unnecessary usage of medication. So it, it, it continues to expand. And then, as you mentioned, you go... Uh, to the area of addiction. Let's understand there's two points of addiction that I want people to catch. Number one, the addiction to sugar is equitable with the addiction to cocaine because it drives the dopaminergic pathways, the dopamine pathways of the brain. So it's highly addicting. But then it gets a little bit deeper um, because when you look at the uh, opioid-like compounds that are produced upon the digestion of the modified dairy protein and the modified wheat proteins. Now, I just said something a lot of people don't know about. These compounds are called exorphins, E-X-O-R-P-H-I-N-S. And these compounds that are created upon the digestion of those genetically modified proteins bind to the opioid receptors. Now, if you know anything about opioids, which we're gonna talk about, we know morphine, heroin, and even fentanyl are highly addictive and highly deadly. But this is from the food side, why they give you in America, but increasing in frequency around the world, free bread, free chips, because they know you can't eat just one. They know you're gonna come back to it again. So now you have this obesogenic food environment and obesogenic 
an estrogenic chemical environment, and you have people getting bigger, 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 faster, 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 and the addiction gets more strong. And when you get people addicted to anything, you can lead them anywhere you want them to go. So the addiction creates sort of a bondage, and bondage feeds into that tyrannical concept that we've seen over the last couple of years played out in front of us. So all that said is it's, there is some biblical perspective tied here, and then I'll kind of circle back for questions and comments. But the biblical perspective is this, and this will blow your mind. When you think about the biblical story of the Israelites being in bondage in the nation of Egypt, everybody remembers that, and they had the pyramids, right? We all know Egypt for these wonderful structures called pyramids. But let us understand that it's also symbolic of something much deeper because when the Israelites, or in other words, God's people, are in bondage in Egypt. Remember, Moses came in and was telling Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh was hardened in his heart. And we saw all those plagues. And even after the people were led out, they wanted to go back because they were more comfortable in bondage than they were investing in their freedom. Bondage in those days was associated with what? Grains, storage of grains in times of famine. Fast forward to the food pyramid days in the good old-fashioned U.S. of A. We see the bottom of the pyramid. The bottom of that food pyramid is structured with 6 to 11 servings of breads and grains. It is not a coincidence because that led to the cascade of increasing bondage once again to a governmental entity. And where we are today and what we talk about today and this message that we're communicating is the same message that Moses communicated to the people. And I scream this from the mountaintops, let my people go. But at the same time, there's a good amount of people that are more happy in bondage than they are in freedom. And so our endeavor is to get people into the idea of self-government. Self-government is needed. And just one more tidbit, if I may. Uh, that I've observed. When I was in law enforcement, as you mentioned, Grace, and saw the worst of the worst situations, and, you know, I must say, saw some things that no person ought to see, and you you never can get them out of your head. Uh, but I began to talk to people that I had arrested over the course of my two-plus decades, and I noticed that there was a pattern in many. And I always treated people right, you know, with dignity and honor. It wasn't a personal thing. I wish they didn't break the law. But I began to ask them questions many times like, why do you keep doing this? Why do you keep breaking the law? And not every time, but there were a few times because they respected me. They would tell me in no uncertain terms that, Mark, you don't understand. I feel more comfortable being in prison than I do in the free world. I don't know how to exist. I don't know how to function. And that type of bondage today, that whole mindset is very prevalent in not just the American society, but the world society. And sadly so, it seems to be growing. That's why I'm grateful to be here to point this out so that we can actually, you know, give people information. Maybe they'll have a different mindset, you know, heart set perhaps. Yeah, that addiction really cannot just be physical. It's really, because I've worked, when I first came to United States, it was the height of the AIDS pandemic. So that means I took care, very, took care of many people who have been diagnosed with AIDS. And yeah. it's interesting because they are so addicted to sweets. They will usually ask for sweets. So I'm look when I'm thinking of that addiction is physical, mental, and emotional. And then another thing that I notice as coming from the Philippines is like um, most my all my patients they cannot tolerate pain mm -hmm. it's like they're always asking me for tylenol for more train for then it's like it's that's new to me because in the philippines we during that time in the 1980s you know it's like we can tolerate much more pain where we weren't really i i my friends i just have one or two friends who were using marijuana but then other than that i never knew about other things yeah so it, it, it's it's crucial really that from 
early on as parents, as young people, they have to understand what that sweetness addiction would lead us, would lead each person to. That is exactly correct. And a little bit of biochemistry for people to understand is there is a biochemical process within our bodies called methylation, M-E-T-H-Y-L-A-T-I-O-N. Methylation is a process that really does several things that we have heard of, including the assistance with the synthesis of dopamine and serotonin. So dopamine obviously gives us the, the high and the feeling of value and worth and achievement. And serotonin keeps us really from being depressed. So both of them are kind of going like this, but we have to have the production in order to not feel depressed and not feel like we don't achieve anything. Unfortunately, the synthesis of both of these neurotransmitters that the brain produces predominantly, or the brain uses, I should say, they have a requirement for B vitamins and magnesium and other nutrients. Well, unfortunately, our nutrients come from our food supply. So we have these essential vitamins, minerals, amino acids, fatty acids that drive systems, including these biochemical reactions in our body. So now when you have a society that's pushing fear, people are getting tired of that. They want the pain to be relieved. They want the pain, the emotional pain to go away. So they're gonna go grab those opioid-like food compounds. And then they wanna feel value and worth and not be depressed. So then they're gonna grab the sugar that creates the dopamine hit. And so it's a recipe of an environment of disaster. And you mentioned it keenly that the majority of these are not just physical problems. No, they're emotional too. And I have a saying that we've used in our lives and practice that the majority of the physical manifestations of disease processes are rooted and driven in spiritual and emotional brokenness. So again, physical, spiritual, emotional are all connected as well. You mentioned uh, earlier about the GMO and I remember reading a book uh, the Wheel of Health, I believe it was um, Dr. Wrench. So it was like 80 or 90 years ago, they were studying the people that lived the longest and it was in the Himalayas. They gave them the food, like 2000 rats, apparently a rat of two years is equivalent to a human of 50 years. And they had no reproductive problems, no tumors or anything. Then they started giving them, you know, the poor man's food in India and they were getting cancers and all that. They gave him the food of the UK and they became cannibalistic after something like 16 days. And with the GMO and also like artificial sweeteners, they are causing tumors in rats. And the minute I see something like that, I go, that's causing the exact same in humans. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, you, you look at those compounds that are genetically modified compounds. They're actually endocrine or they're actually estrogen mimicking disrupting compounds. And the, the problem with that, and the reason they create so much tumorigenic uh, action is because they, they mimic the estrogen alpha receptor, meaning it triggers proliferation and triggers growth. And these compounds also trigger the growth in the system by driving what is called IGF-1, which drives a pathway. I know it's a little complicated, but Trust me, this is true. It drives a pathway called mTOR, little m-t-o-r, which is mammalian target of rapamycin. And when you're driving that thing perpetually by these compounds and chemicals, you're driving growth. And we know cells are going to become dysfunctional in life anyway. So if we don't have the ability to stop the growth and stop the initiation of growth, we have this cascade of perpetual growth, which does not allow for reparation and or the proper signaling of cell death, which is called apoptosis. So it's really interesting how we've seen this and we're going to see, and I, I'm not being a, this is not a, uh, a prophecy to create fear. This is a word of caution. We are going to see more and more cancers come upon us and it will become the number one killer of Americans, at least within the next decade. It's gonna surpass heart disease because we are doing nothing, nothing, nothing 
to deal with, as you said, Ray, exactly that very thing, stopping that unnatural proliferation of growth. And I know that I've uh, I've seen both yourself and your wife talking about cereals and like one I had seen some episodes where actually cornflakes, I don't know if you heard about that, but basically they created that to stop people masturbating. But a lot of families now, they just let the child have the cereal, not just for the breakfast, which is bad enough, but also for their, their dinner. And the other thing is they're having milk with it, which includes all the growth hormones and antibiotics that's going into these animals. So they're getting double whammy of toxic chemicals. That's correct. And I even saw a recent commercial, I believe it was from Kellogg's, you know, don't quote me on that, but I believe that's accurate, where they were actually uh, going to give people rewards, monetary rewards for posting pictures of them with their families eating cereal for dinner. Now, let's also understand that the high subsidy rate from the government into these food manufacturers is no coincidence either. So then you got to think about, wait a minute, is the government entities and bodies that are contributing to the food that creates disease, therefore causing disease processes to increase, therefore causing more dependence upon big pharma, therefore driving their own pop pocketbook or their own uh, bank accounts? And my opinion is clearly yes. I mean, you have to look at the evidence that is. It's not um, something very complicated. It's, it's just using your reasonable, deductive, rational head to draw conclusions and it's beyond me why people are not seeing this more clear and i'm hoping that people that are listening today will go back and listen again and take some notes and then share it with those that you love and care about and i actually love the title of your book far cure diets <laughs> it's brilliant so you might just tell people a bit of what you're covering in that yeah, the, the, we've written three books. Um, they've all been, you know, praise the Lord, bestsellers, and uh, we're grateful. The first one was called Quest for Wellness. The second one that you mentioned is called Fork Your Diet, and you got to be very careful how you say that. It's very, very important. And the third book has a really cool title, too. It's called Surviving the Garden of Eaton. You know, instead of Eden, it's Eaton. But Fork Your Diet is a very... Um, complete book talking about these disease processes that are really created by our environment today, inclusive of things like autoimmune and type 2 diabetes, the majority of heart disease, et cetera, et cetera. And in that book, we give people um, the rationale, the reason why the environment creates that. We give them what labs and analyses they should be doing, you know, not just the basic stuff that tells you a good amount of nothing, but we also talk about in that book something very, very important. It's called the frauds, F-R-A-U-D-S. Now, many people today have forgotten who they are. You know, how many of us today and even right now have said these words, I don't know who I am anymore, or heard somebody in front of you say, I don't know who I am anymore. Well, guess what? They have been defrauded of who they are because of these frauds, which is really an acronym. And it's this, fear, resentment, anger, unforgiveness, disappointment, and shame. And when we allow those things to take over and become the focus of our lives, they begin to eat at us and take away from us our very identity meaning that when we pull out our ID card, no more does it say, my name is Mark Sherwood, or my name is Grace, or right, et cetera. It says now, my name is fearful. My name is scared. My name is disappointed. My name is resentful. My name is angry. My name is type 2 diabetes. I mean, you get the idea. We, we change our identities and We've got to get back to understanding who we are as human beings. And this earth has everything in it to, to give us what we need and treat us well. And we're supposed to live symbiotic with the earth, not opposite of the earth and its goodness therein. But boy, we have gotten ourselves way off, haven't we? Absolutely. And you mentioned the, you know, the grain at the start. I had heard that they modified 
the grain so that the wheat is toxic as opposed to before. And I just know from traveling around the world, say in Estonia, I never have problems with bread. But most countries, you feel gutted, you feel bloated, you just don't feel right. So, like, you have you heard about that, that they've modified the actual wheat? Yes. The wheat uh, has three proteins. Wheat, gluten, and gliadin. Wheat, gluten, and gliadin. And they've modified this, especially in America, but increasing frequency around the world. They genetically modified the, the seed so that it would change its yield and it would be able to withstand the effects of these herbicides, namely Roundup. With the change in these, this wheat, and it's, you know, the proponents would say, well, it's just 5%, it's barely changed, and it's, it does create more crop, and we're able to produce more and feed more people. Okay, great. But I would submit that you're not feeding more people, you're poisoning more people, because the genes that we have in our bodies have only changed 2% in 10,000 years. So that means that all of us on this call today would have the same genetic structure as Noah and his wife and his sons and wives had when they stepped off the boat and waded through all the dead bodies, right? And we forget that, but we have the same genes. So when this new genetically modified wheat hits our bodies and hits our guts, we know the immune system 65% of it-ish is around the, the gut, the in, in the gut wall lining, right? And so the body sees that as a foreign invader, thereby causing immunoinducement, right? Thereby causing inflammation. And so that's why there's so many people today, because we've added gluten as well to things to make them more uh, dense, chewy, and perhaps bigger for more profit, back to the profit thing. Well, unfortunately, that's why, you know, there's still only one or 2% of the population that's actually uh, gluten intolerant or celiac disease, right? But there's probably 40% or more people that are highly sensitive to this idea of this gluten. And again, gluten wasn't originally bad, nor was wheat, nor was gliadin. They were all fine. And that's why someone can be, you know, gluten uh, sensitive and and living in America and go to Italy, for example, and they can eat a piece of bread and it will have a completely different effect or none. But you get into that processed food, which is, as stated, increasing in frequency with its availability around the world, then you begin to have the problems. And my concern is that as we continue to do that with the uh, production of these things, as stated with, you know, the Roundup, which has glyphosate, which is a known carcinogen and has atrazine, which is a known estrogenic compound. We are continuing to push forward in this idea of obesity, you know, and uh, even, even gender confusion as we get more estrogen in our, in our bodies, men, right? And then we also see uh, more addiction potential and we see more cancers. Yeah, definitely. And I know just from watching some of the, shows you run with your wife that you would talk about i know it's going on a slight tangent but i think it's kind of relevant as well about autism because at one stage i was looking at it in america and i mean i know it's way higher in america it was like one in 32 and i saw something where you're uh, you were showing that it's it predicted that one in two by 2050 which is so frightening it is and it and i use these statistics as I guess you would call them attention getters. I mean, some people would call it clickbait. No, that's not my heart at all. I really want to see change, you know? Um, but you look at even uh, starting off with even type two diabetes, it is predicted that one in three children will be on diabetic medication by the time they're 40. But specifically to your point about autism, 40 years ago it was about one in 40,000. Today it's one in less than 40. As those trends continue, and there's no reason to indicate that they will slow down because the autism spectrum disorders are all tied to a lack of methylation, we talked about earlier, right? There's always that commonality, but at that pace, by 2050, we'll be one and two. Now, this is unfortunate because we're seeing the lowered ability of mankind to create reason within the interactions within society and we know that people who are autistic 
and this is just an observation, they can be very good at certain things, but there's a challenge with the interaction and interpersonal relationships within society. Oh, excellent. And just like finally, before I pass you on to Hartman, like based on the jab that people have got over the last two years, what kind of things are you seeing? Because personally, I've seen a lot of uh, people die. I've friends that I've seen, they've got uh, strokes. Uh, there's so much going on. And I'm just curious with, with the, you know, what you've noticed. Well, the reason that we have strokes uh, and blood clots, let's just call it for what it is, is this. Uh, and I, I surmise that this is probably going to be uh, more uh, truthful as time goes on. So within our vascular wall, there is this um, surface material called the endothelium. The endothelium is one cell thick and it lines the inside of our vessels. It's been said that the skin is the largest uh, organ of the body, but Look, if you laid the endothelium out, it would cover a tennis court. So that's, that's a pretty big deal. And so that endothelium has all these receptors on it called angiotensin-converting enzyme receptors. So um, ACE receptors. We hear all this talk about ACE receptors. Well, they're, they're lined on the inside of those endothelial um, structures because that's where the, the vessels will either contract or dilate appropriately. That makes sense, right? That's why you see these ACE inhibitors be used to control blood pressure, these ACE and ARBs, and it makes a lot of sense. However, when you get exposed and or um, injected, let's say, with anything that creates a repetitive um, synthesis or creation of these spike proteins, these spike proteins have an affinity to bind into these ACE receptors. Now, the binding of these receptors creates dysfunction within that endothelium. The dysfunctional endothelium will destroy the ability of the body to uh, break up those clots. So when you have the endothelial damage that is caused by the chronic inflammatory barrage of the standard American Western diet, so you create this immunocompromised, endothelial compromised individual, and then you bring in the creation or synthesis of these perpetual inducements of the spike protein hitting these ACE receptors, you're going to have an increase in clots. Now, the, the trouble with this is, is that we know that everybody is not going to die from A, B, or C, which is the uniqueness of the human experience, right? That's the quandary because you're always going to have people saying, well, it didn't over here, so it did over here. So that makes it uh, sort of a variable to be determined item. But what I just explained to you is, is generally simple physiology going to pathology. And we see these tissues go bad. The best way to prepare for that is to not have pre-existing endothelial inflammation by avoiding the standard American diet, Western lifestyle, which gives you a healthier ability to deal with the potential insertion of those spikes upon those ACE2 receptors. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you very much, Mark. And I'll pass you on to Hartman. You're welcome. Dr. Mark Sherwood, pleasure talking to you. One more guest from Germany. And uh, I, want to, I want to make a comment directly what you're saying. Um, I went on the website of the International Agency for Research on Cancer of the World Health Organization and I looked for Iran and I want to make a quote. The number of new cancer cases in the Islamic Republic of Iran is predicted to increase from 112,000 recorded cancer cases in 2016 to 160,000 new cases in 2025. This represents an increase of 40 to 6 percent of which 13.9% and 28.7% were attributed to changes in risk and in population structure, respectively. And the interesting thing is, I'm, I'm quoting this because Africa, the Arabic states, and Iran, they have reduced their own wheat production, and they get the export, they get imports from Ukraine, for example. And, uh, and interesting is that since they get the export imports, the cancer is increasing. Yeah, yeah, that's and it's a pleasure to to meet you. I'm honored to uh, meet you, sir. Thank you so much for being with us from Germany. Um, 
But what you're saying is exactly correct. And it just affirms what we're talking about. And just a general overall perspective, I think anybody would get this. When you bring anything that's perpetually inducing and signaling the immune system that we have an enemy afoot, it's going to create that barrage of chronic systemic inflammation. Now, when you create chronic systemic inflammation, we all know that that's a common feature of all known disease concepts. And so we're seeing, and, and I'm sad to say that I, you know, I, I'm not surprised by that quote. I do see it continuing because we get this, as we were talking to top, Hartman, to get the um, idea of more addiction created to where you can't live without it. So when you introduce it, you are not just introducing these disease-causing agents that will create disease as predicted and prognosticated correctly, but you'll also create really an addiction to the things that do create the disease. And it's, it's a wheel that goes nowhere. And I am extremely concerned about the future of our world, not just nation. I'm concerned about the future of the world because when people become addicted and distracted by disease, by death and by sickness, they can't think. They can't think for themselves because that becomes a total focus. And when you can't think for yourself, you can be led around like a sheep going to slaughter. There, there was a, um, a quote by Samuel Adams. He's kind of one of America's founding father persons, so to speak. He said something fascinating, and I'm going to heavily paraphrase it, but I think we'll all understand this from the point of freedom from bondage. He said that, that tyranny can never exist when you have a nation of people with knowledge that have virtue. But he said, tyranny will always thrive and it can only thrive and it can only work when you have a nation of ignorance with a lack of virtue. And we're creating this nations, these worlds of ignorance because they can't think anymore because knowledge like you just talked about is most likely going to be suppressed because the people that are profiting from those imports and the people that are doing it under the color of sort of deception, they don't want to get their money taken from them. And Hartmut, the people are suffering, and that breaks my heart. Yes, and and um, I want, the, what you said is so interesting, because um, I want to go also to Halloween, obesity, obesity, obesity is this correct? Obesity and addiction, because yep. um, in my opinion, everything comes together with traumatization. And the interesting thing, for example, concerning Halloween is that the origin comes from some Samhain. And Samhain was a Celtic New Year celebration uh, where the summer ends and the winter was welcome. And the interesting thing is that they, they believed that there, there was a very thin border between the deaf people and alive people and this and that there would be a very good connection so it was a, uh, it was an honor uh, to the ancestors and halloween how we know it right now is only um a celebration of fear Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Uh, so there is a fear. The whole time there is fear and blackmailing. And the children, they think it's fun, but they have very high tether waves. And with the high tether wave, children can, for them, things are alive. And so they get, on one hand, it's fun, but on the other hand, it's trauma. In my opinion, uh, Halloween is one of the most traumatic celebrations in the world because the ch many children will be used in a way they never thought they would be used because it's, it's very, um, people can take them in the house and can do things with them what we never want to talk about.
I think that what you're saying is exactly on point because as you mentioned, Halloween originally was not a bad thing, but we turned it into a bad thing over the course of time. And now let, let's face it, you know, when you live in chronic fear, um, that's not necessarily a good thing, you know, to chronically scare somebody on purpose. That, that doesn't even make sense to me. That's not funny anymore because when you yield to that thing, you become addicted even to that adrenaline of being scared. You know, I'm looking for the next thrill. I'm looking for the next fright. I'm looking for the next scare. And then you talk about adding the element of death, you know, and uh, being scared by quote unquote dead people, you know, and dressing up like evil and as, as bloody and as gory as you can thinking that's good. And I'm not saying that children shouldn't have an imagination and being able to dress up like a policeman or a fireman or a sports hero, that's fine. But when you push them this area, I am very concerned and my personal opinion, people can disagree. That is an area at this point in time where I encourage parents to be a non-active participant. Don't participate anymore. Stop it. Because when you're going out here and doing that, and then you combine that with the addiction that is, you know, sweets like we talked about, and then you combine it with the infiltration of the potential rainbow fentanyl, you know, that is creating a danger, right? When I was a kid, when I was doing that, I didn't dress up as something scary. My parents wouldn't let me. And they told me to come home, and if I had an apple, they wanted to cut it up and make sure it didn't have a razor blade in it. But now you have this area, and we all know in this, this broadcast today that there is such a thing as adverse childhood events or ACEs. And we know those ACEs are tied to adult um, behavior dysfunctions or adult emotional trauma. And we're just big kids. That's all we are. We're a product of our past. We're a product of all these traumas. We're a product of our, of our youth. And we're just big kids with adult toys. Now we have emotions to deal with it. So this is creating a cascade of addiction, fright and fear, acceptance of evil, fear and death as mainstream. And now you have this attack of fentanyl on our kids. We are living in perilous times, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, we need to shift our thinking to get out of that box to say we're just having fun. Times have changed, man. Wake up, get over it. And if we don't change, those times that have changed will begin to roll over us and, and create the greatest change that we're never going to get back from. Yeah. And um, I, I, I see it from let's say from a perspective, also from a satanic ritual, because in the, the satanic rituals are very precise, organized. And for example, if you, if you, uh, if you light the candle in that moment, you have the connection, let's say you have the imagination to, to, to get a connection to spirit, to go into empathy of spirit. And the interesting thing is concerning in the satanic world, I read this in a very old book. The candles are made by um, are made by human fat. So every time, if you light a candle, in that moment you go out of the empathy. You go in the control. You go in your own pr protection, and you go out of the empathy. Yeah. And the Halloween party is at the same. It's blackmailing and it's going out of empathy. It's going out of control. Give me sweet or you get you we we beat you. Yeah. Yeah. But this you're is right. something where the where the children lose also their own empathy and then they get of um they get thick. Yeah, you're right. There's a you know if you look at these this idea of here's reality, here's humanity right here. Well, there's a whole spirit realm out there that we sometimes don't want to accept, but it is, it is, um, a little tidbit for people. Don't talk to dead people, just a thought, right? Being funny with that, but that's true. 
But there is a spirit realm that we don't need to play in. We don't need to delve into. We don't need to want to go experiment in. And that's what you're talking about, you know, Hartman, is the ability to go into that realm if we choose to. Now, the fascinating thing about that is, like it or not, is once we go somewhere, once that seed has been planted in a young mind, that seed's been planted at this mind, this young mind will allow that seed to grow. And what you plant, I guarantee you, will grow into something. We, as adults, plant seeds into kids' minds. We need to pay attention to what kind of seeds we're planting and what kind of seeds we're being allowed to plant through companies like Disney. You know, I'll say it for what it is. That is disgusting to broadcast witches, warlocks, and throw this stuff into the minds of kids because the minds yeah. are very powerful and it will push them into that dimension. And the traumatization uh, leads to eat more and more because you need an emotional exchange. You need something where you feel safe so the people eat more. Yep. And so you have the problem. That's very intuitive because, you know, like you mentioned the top, Grace, the idea of pain. You know, the human, you know, you go back and look at basic uh, needs. We all want to be loved. We all want to be appreciated, right? I mean, I do. I don't like to be hated. I don't enjoy that. Probably am sometimes, but I don't really have a good time with that. I want to be liked. I'm not going to live my life to be liked because then I live my life with a cascade of descending compromise, right? But the bottom line is, you know, we want to be liked. And when we're going through pain of not knowing who we are, of pain of not being the best we can be, that trauma becomes something we live in and we just want to check out. And I get that. And we can check out a little bit by eating a little pot of bread or smoking a little marijuana or maybe taking a little bit of heroin, taking a little bit of cocaine. We can check out for a little bit and that's true. And it allows us to escape reality for a little bit to get out of our pain. And so clearly we have a society that is really ripe for um, global addiction. And people that are evil will capitalize on people's addictions and they'll profitize people's addictions. And that makes it evil to the core because when you look at people that are suffering, how evil is that? to say that's a profit opportunity or that's a money opportunity, it doesn't get any more disgusting than that. It is, um, let's say it this way, we have a narcissistic government, uh, governments and these narcissistic governments, they bring the narcissism step by step to onto the lowest level. They do. And when I, I actually, um, I don't know if you guys knew this, I actually ran for... Um, governor of the state of Oklahoma the last cycle around to sort of bring some attention to this kind of stuff. But I learned something very powerful and I didn't want to know it, but now I know it and I can't unknow it. Right. And it's this is that within these uh, government leaders, you know, there's not a really a party system. It's all about narcissism from the top and narcissism is based in this love and um, sort of, cherishment of uh, you know money fame power influence they don't want to let it go and it's all about them but leaders today should not be narcissistic leaders today should be the best servants of all what can i do for you instead of what do you have to do for me and it's unfortunate that the greatest and oldest temptation maybe addiction of all time is the love of money, money, fame, power, influence. And it truly is. I mean, even as the Bible says, and whether people agree with what that is or not, that principle is true. The love of money can indeed become the root of all evil. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. I pass you to Grace. It was a real pleasure. Thank you so much. It's so true, Dr. Mark, when you mention about um, you know, that 
when when a person when we don't take care of our health then we really become more prone to everything including the control and uh, when when uh, all these so-called mandates quarantine etc what came into our you know our it was in, being imposed to us that's the first thing i thought of is why is it that the american people whom i thought before i came here are the ones who are you know they stand up for their rights they're vocal suddenly like wow what happened so then because of fear and and i believe a lot of uh, there's an increased rates of gallbladder disorder and you know that in oriental medicine that houses fear in liver and the, 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 you know they're all connected so it's so crucial crucial really that we take care of our health we all know that you know the powers the false powers to be play on our emotions and our hearts so i guess which in my opinion it is important that the protection comes immediately from ourselves from our family from ourselves i know we have all different types of family and it's not to blame that if if our adult child an adult son or adult daughter get into that addiction journey not that i'm trying to say it's your fault it's the family's fault because it's a complicated issue but it is the the foundation is there to remember as you have said and and, and other guests and we just had dr Made um, to remember who we were who we were who we are and you know our relationship to the source our relationship to god because that's so crucial and so in in and furthermore i just want to share with you coming from the philippines the halloween that i grew up with was like it for me it's like an equivalent to a thanksgiving because we can we come together family relatives come from all different places to go home to the cemetery to the church there's fe feast so we we didn't go around um asking for treats it was we bring the food to the cemetery if we want to and offer some to our departed loved ones as a symbol but at the same time other people and friends it's like a big reunion we go from one loved one to another or from our friends and then we share the food that's how much fun we had there we didn't have scary parties but of course now because systematically it's been bring spread the way it is and and thank thank god that you ran you may have not been at this it wasn't meant for you to take that political position but you were there to add more to your direct experience of how it is in there so in this in this in that to talk, talk to us also about why we need to protect the borders. I know Hartmut and Roy may not be living here, but they will have the same issue in that their countries where they are living now. What is that in relationship to um, to to just just degrading everything about uh, what we as a people stand for? Well, Hartman and Roy would get this as well. Um, life is about boundaries, you know, healthy boundaries. You know, we know those healthy boundaries should be in uh, friendships, interpersonal reactions, family and friends, et cetera. Our body has boundaries. The boundaries are protected from our immune system. Our immune system is like border security. It's like uh, air security, ground security. It's all of that. It's the most intricate border control system known to mankind our immune system in our body when we don't secure our borders and i'm talking borders of our country borders of our uh, cities homes lives we get this infiltration of stuff that creates inflammation and in america right now we've got this process of one group 
is saying, yes, open the borders and everybody come on. And they're using it as an idea to create more votes to secure their positions of power. That's the purpose behind it. It's, it's been well said. And they're using these people for their own gain and they're playing with them, their emotions and manipulating them. And they bring them in and they create a sense of dependence upon the very government that wants to control them. In other words, you come here, we're not gonna stop you. Come on in, America's a great country, land of the free and home of the brave, land of the American opportunity. You come on in and we'll take care of you. We'll give you housing, we'll give you food, we'll give you a cell phone and we'll give you some medicine. We got this cascade of addiction created because now they're gonna be loyal voters. But these people are getting played, they're getting used. At the same time you open borders like that, you allow the criminal element to take advantage of that. And now we have what's called the Mexican cartel that is partnering with the um, evil leadership that is in charge of the communist Chinese Communist Party, and they're bringing in drugs, inclusive of fentanyl, to create an overt addiction of our society that's also playing on the peril and fear that is. People are depressed, they're hopeless, so take this fentanyl, you'll just check out. And so people are dying as well. 108,000 people in the last 12 months from the men the age of 18 to 45 died from fentanyl overdoses, which equates to more gun deaths, COVID deaths, and car wrecks. It's a, big, it's a big deal, and nobody's talking about it. But then you've got the other side of the coin, Grace, Hartman, Roy, that would say, let's secure our borders. We get it. People want to come to America. That's great. You should have the ability to go to any country you want. That would be awesome. But let's secure the borders because we need to understand who's within the borders. If we don't do it right, we don't do it legally, we don't know who's here, it doesn't matter what kind of border you have. If it's open and unsecured, we're going to have problems. Thank you so much, Dr. Mark. We do come back again in the future, and we really appreciate everything that you're doing. Um, and Please let our audience know uh, about what you're doing now, your website, and how else can they support you or connect with you? Well, I appreciate you guys having me. Again, I'm super grateful. Uh, people can find us at Sherwood.tv. Super easy. They can connect with us through our email, newsletters, videos, etc. We have, you know, a television show they can watch as well. And we're all about getting people free from the bondages that we spoke about today. And to that end, we give people the best instructions through nutrition, sleep, stress management, movement, genetics, hormones, and peptides. And we do include a lot of emotional and spiritual coaching and teaching to create a pathway of healing for people. And we can work with anybody around the country and around the world. And we do. Uh, we're just here to serve. And the best way we can help somebody is to help them look at the person in the mirror, like Michael Jackson said, you know, the man in the mirror, and bring about change right there. And if you bring change to the person back at you in the mirror, you can then turn, bring change to the world. So, you know, hopefully we can become more change agents and more hope dealers. I just have one quick question that came into me because you are a, you, you played sports. What message can you do to the parents who are aware or who may not be aware that many young kids, many professionally and professional sports people are just dropping dead? Yeah, it's important to educate the uh, people that are involved in athletics or anybody else. Uh, give them all the information. Relay what we talked about today because it's well documented. It's going to be out there more and more and more. And understand that, you know, people should have a choice of doing things, but some choices might not be the best. So we make sure we choose well. And I think with uh, the athletes out there, don't compromise your principles to participate. I hope people heard that. I'm going to say that one more time. Never compromise your principles to participate 
because you will never win in the games in which you participate. And it may cost your life. I see students, young people cheat with drugs. You know, they'll take, um, you know, multiple energy drinks. They, they will compromise and make the wrong choices, whether to, you know, take a vaccine or whatever. And it can cost you your life. Don't do that. Parents, love your kids enough. Love them enough to not be their friends. Be the parents. Thank you very much. Hartmut, Troy, and I, and we say thank you and do take care of yourself. Kind regards. Maybe your lovely wife will come next time with you or by herself or you come back. Okay. And to all our viewers, please share this. Listen as re-listen and just be engaged. Okay. Thank you. Very good. Thank you, guys. God bless you all.